making waves, inspiring change, opening doors to an equal future. Here on the Trapes and Globe on Wheels Disability Advocacy Podcast, host Ming Canada journeys with an array of guests through the multifaceted world of disability advocacy. Guests will share their insights and will discuss some of today's most crucial questions and topics, as well as provide perspectives into the current disability rights movement and lifestyles of people around the world. Let's make waves together in the disability movement. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. Today, we have the honor of welcoming Juliet Davenport onto the Trips and Global on Wheels podcast hour. Juliet is founder and chief executive officer of Good Energy, a renewable energy company with a mission to power a greener, cleaner future together with its customers. Julia has been an innovator for over 20 years, working on ideas to fight climate change and transform the energy sector for the better. In 2013, she was awarded an OBE for services to renewables. She currently sits on the board of Renewable Energy Association, Innovate UK, and is vice president of the Energy Institute. In addition, she sits on the advisory boards of leading UK think tanks, including Energy Systems Catapult, Aurora, Oxford Energy, and LSC's Grantham Institute. Without further ado, let's listen in on my conversation with Juliet Davenport. Juliet Davenport, welcome to the Trips and Global on Wheels podcast hour. Well, lovely to meet you. Lovely to meet both you guys. So excited to talk to you about some of the issues you want to talk about, sustainability and accessibility. So uh, really stoked about talking later tonight. Yeah, of course. And thank you for staying up. Um, so I know you founded uh, Good Energy. What a great name. Um, <laughs> Tell us, about the, yeah, tell us about, your, about the company and what your original intentions were when you founded it. And is it still carrying out this uh, mission to this day, that original mission that you sought out to do? Or has it morphed and changed over time, over these last two decades? Yeah, so that's a really interesting question. So I think um, the, the original idea, so having studied the science of climate change, I became really interested on how you would then start to do something about it. So I started on a journey. I didn't know where to start. Um, there wasn't really an industry in climate change when I left university. Um, and I went and worked in government for a bit. I went and worked in academia for a bit. But why I came to was that I really thought that consumers are really an important part of this and involving people in trying to find the answers to climate change was a really important to me, I guess. Um, and so by setting up a business that gave us the freedom to really try and understand what consumers could do um, practically in their everyday life to be part of a climate solution as opposed to being part of the problem. Um, and that was really where the idea of good energy came from. And it was, it was more about um, doing it together with customers rather than us just finding solutions on our own. Um, and have we managed to keep that? I think the words may have changed a little over the years, but the, the core premise is still there. We believe that by setting an example, by setting a challenge of being 100% renewable, which is what we started with, um, we could really make a difference because we had no compromise. 
um, when we worked with government or when we worked with regulation or consumers or other businesses, our aim was always to be 100%. So um, we're going to jump ship to another topic, perhaps a little too too quick. Um, but um, so I, I think I was reading one of the articles that that was talking about. I, I think you brought up this report. Anyways, a 2016 report showed that women only made up 14% of uh, STEM occupations. Yeah. So why do you think this is the case? And how can we change this? Oh, it's such a big question, this. I um, mean, I think in different countries, it has different percentages, but that percentage applies to the UK. And particularly in our education system, we tend to ask our students to start specializing either in the sciences or in the arts subjects about the age of 16. So what that tends to mean is that after 16, if you've decided to do history and English and languages, you never get taught science again. And I think that leaves us as a real disadvantage as a society and particularly a sort of gender diversity piece in that um, maybe girls don't want to specialize in science, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't have an education in science. And I think we really um, sort of undermine our ability to deal with the future world, which is very science led. Everything we do um, is based around science and we should really think about the future not just the present because the in the future we're going to need more and more scientists and if we only equip 50 percent of our population with the capability of doing that then we undermine our society as a whole um so speaking of that going back to diversity from from the question before that um and uh, if you don't have background in this area, no worries. It's more of a specific type of question. Um, how do you think climate change affects people with disabilities specifically? So I think, I think there's been quite a lot of work on how climate change has affected women, um, particularly in developing countries, that it has a, a, um, a bigger effect on women who particularly have working, uh, are providing a lot of the care in homes and have uh, uh, climate change tends to impact their livelihoods much more. Um, I think there is beginning, I've seen some work by the UN on disability and sustainability. Um, and in particular, when you get into a situation with climate change, where you have extreme weather events or you have extreme um, situations that people with disability can be impacted more, because obviously, if you're in a situation where you have to evacuate, where you have to get out of somewhere very quickly, that, that can be much more difficult depending on your type of disability. And I think this is... This is something that we need to be much more cognizant of, particularly when we're looking at design um, and where we build our homes and how we build our homes. Um, because those factors, um, I mean, most of us take it for granted that we're not going to be flooded um, anyhow. I think that's generally, that's most people's assumption, but that going forward, things are going to change. With, with a climate impact, you're going to see more extremes of weather um, which creates more difficult problems for everybody. But I do think there will be a disproportionate impact on people with disability. I've, I've watched a few of your promo videos. Um, <laughs> good energy. It's very well done, very engaging. Um, Thank even you. When, yeah. Even when you're doing PowerPoints and presentations and Zoom presentations, you, you would insert some of the videos, and I, I find them very 
very engaging to look at. Um, so I, I, I do see a lot of diversity in terms of race, um, but I don't see a lot of diversity in, in terms of uh, disability. Um, do you have plans to, to make it more diverse in that area? Um, what, the business or, and the, or the people that we appeal to? Um, so, so I know that in a lot of workplaces, companies, both private and public sector, um, the word diversity um, doesn't necessarily include people with disability. Yeah. Um, so how can you shape that, uh, that, uh, that uh, word, that concept, diversity, to include people with disabilities? Yeah. Uh, because, a- yeah, because you're such a huge employer, right? You employ 300 plus employees. Mm-hmm. And if your videos show people with disabilities in the realm of climate change, or if you employ people with disabilities with the appropriate and, um, you know, qualified skill sets, then that yeah. sends a, a very powerful, positive message. I, I completely agree. And I think, I think part of the reason why we probably haven't focused on it as much um, is because quite a lot of the time disabilities, some disabilities are not always that obvious to see, if that makes sense. Um, so that actually, you, one of the things that we, we have to make sure is that we have disability, uh, we have accessibility as an organization. Um, that we make sure that we we can provide those services. And I think one of the things that's really been interesting, so we've been in lockdown as a country pretty much for three months now. Um, We had to go work remotely within, I think it was about three days. We got 300 people working from home. And one of the things about that is it struck me that actually our accessibility has improved significantly for our staff because actually we get to a point where Certain people potentially never need to travel to our offices. Um, they, can, they can access us through a laptop, um, through a video, through this type of call. Um, and it's, it, I mean, I, I find it fascinating because it has so many factors to that that, that have a knock-on impact. And our assumption before is that our frontline staff, the people who deal with our customers, have always had to be in the office. But actually, that's not true. And then you begin to become much more imaginative about workspace in that workspace becomes a creative space, a space where you meet people, a space where you coach people. And I think the opportunity there to include disability in diversity, um, but also be able to accommodate that in a much more creative way is going to be, is going to become come forward. And I, I think, what what I think sometimes is when you get these massive challenges is people rise to them. You get a bit stuck sometimes, as you said, in, you, in your thinking. So diversity is this, and, and that's that's kind of where your mindset. And sometimes it takes either somebody to challenge you, like, like today, or something else to happen for you to really start to think more imaginatively about something. So I think there is a huge opportunity now, um, post-COVID, to think about things in a different way. And, and look at how do you do inclusivity? Um, and I'm really excited by the fact that, that we don't need to make people come into our offices anymore. So inclusivity actually becomes easier in some ways. Um, and we can create different spaces for us to create and come together as an organization. Um, and for me, that, that is really quite exciting. Thank you for listening. 
We hope you enjoyed the episode and came away with some information that you can now take with you to create your own change. If you would like more information about Trapes and Globe Lawn Wheels, please visit trapesandglobelonwheels.com. And that's Trapesin, T-R-A-I-P-S-I-N. And for updates and other TGOW-related news, follow our social media pages on Instagram and Facebook, both with handles Trapes and Global on Wheels, and then also LinkedIn and Twitter. You can find the links below in the description box or on our main channel page. We sincerely appreciate your support, and we'll catch you again next time.